Well, good morning to you all. It is a pleasure to be here with you. Uh, I was a tag along. I came to hang out with my lovely wife. I call her my chocolate bunny. And support her and hang out at Universal Studios and just chill out and enjoy LA because I love coming uh, to this part of the world. And then I got the call from Pastor Paul. Thank you again, Pastor. It is a privilege and honor to be here uh, with you all. I am so excited to be a part of my family on the other side of the country. Um, people love to talk about you, but they love to come here all the time and talk about you. I'm here to say, I ain't here to talk about you, I'm here to be with you. I love being here with you guys. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer and shall we go to God's word together. Father, we thank you, you have been so good to us. And we thank you, Lord, that you never leave us nor forsake us. Now, Lord, as we're having to deal with so many different things from a public and private level, we're asking that you would allow your word to just guide us to see how we need to think, to help us understand how to process, how to adjust so that we can live out and practice what you give us by precept. Would you forgive us of every thought, every word, every action, every deed that has not matched you to this point? And Lord, we pray that as we not only hear what you say, we would do what you say so that you would be glorified and that we will be edified and the devil horrified as we stand on one accord to bring glory to you. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, I hear people say all the time, God is good, and all the time, good is God, and all the things you hear, all the cliches. And you hear people talk about how much they trust the Lord. But in the midst of challenges, I find that many people expose the God of their imagination versus the God of reality. And too often, when we are in struggles, we are looking for God to deliver us out of the struggle where God is looking to develop us through the struggle. And for many of us in our challenging times, we wonder, where is God? And he's right there with us. But when he doesn't do what we want the way we want, we question his love for us as if God lives for us instead of the fact that we exist for him. As I've counseled and pastored many people over the years and dealt with my own struggles, I had to wrestle between two things. Will I embrace the God who is or will I embrace the God who's in my mind? Will I accept that God is working out a plan that goes beyond my immediate comfort? Or will I be mad at God for the discomfort I'm experiencing in the moment? Too often, if you're like me, you believe that God is supposed to do what you want. And sometimes you will say, well, if God is such a good God, then why does evil exist? And I tell people evil exists because we keep resisting this good God. And the more we resist, the more evil happens. And the more we submit, the more we can see the reality of who he is and be transformed into that reality. But for many of us, we're beyond that. We're just trying to figure out, Lord, why are you allowing my husband or my wife or my children or my family? Why are my situations so frustrated? Why am I dealing with the delays and the denies and the devastations of life? Why do you keep happening, allowing this to happen? And the reality is that God is always up to something good, even when things in your life are where you think they ought to be. I said I wanted to write a book and I wanted to shock the Christian world and say it this way. God is not safe and he cannot be trusted. See how you're looking at me right now? <laughs> See, I wanted that to happen because I wanted people to open up the book and say, how can he say something like that? He don't know what he's talking about. He's a heretic. He don't know what he's saying. And then go in there and I'll say this. God is not safe if you believe he's to protect you from everything that you want him to protect you from. God is not trusted if you believe that he is meant to do what you want, when you want, how he want. Then no, he's not safe and he cannot be trusted. 
However, if you recognize that no matter what he brings in your life, regardless if you wanted it or not, that he'll never leave you nor forsake you, then he's a safe God. If you believe that he will do what he said he would do the way he said he would do, regardless of what's going on, then he can be trusted. I counsel many people and they say to me, you know, I just can't trust God. And I say, you know what, you're right, you can't. And they look at me like, weren't you going to convince me? No, I'm not going to convince you. Because see, what you want, you can't trust him for because he doesn't exist for your satisfaction. He exists for his glory. Now, if you're willing to adjust your life to his, then you will find all the satisfaction needed for the moment. And you will recognize all the peace that transcends all understanding. This God that we serve is a God that can be trusted. But I want to unfold for you today. How do we do this? I mean, if you're like me, you you hear a lot of generic terms. And I've been around the church a long time. And we hear, trust the Lord, you know, read your Bible and pray, right? Whenever there's a problem, trust the Lord, read your Bible and pray. But do we articulate what it means to trust him? Do, Do we understand the practicalities? And I hope that today we can take a look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to verse 6. Break down a little bit of the practicalities so you and I can begin to think through in premise. How do I? Regardless of what's going on in my life, trust this Lord that I belong to. Now, when you think about the book of Proverbs, consider it as this. When you're reading it, there are two things that you will get from the book of Proverbs. You're going to get a description of life, and you'll get a prescription for life. And so as you're reading the Proverbs, you'll see descriptions. You'll see prescriptions, descriptions, prescriptions. When we get to chapter 3, verse 5 to verse 6, God is using this particular passage to give us a prescription for life. Notice what he says in this passage. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You remember conjunction, conjunction, junction, what's your fun? You remember that? (laughs) Hooking up. Okay, I digress. All right. And do not lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Verse 6, he says, in all your ways, Acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. I want us to begin by understanding what is this premise of trusting God. Notice what he says in the passage, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, so the premise, as we think, break about this, break this down a little bit. Point one, I want you to think about this. Trusting God means to rely upon, to place confidence in who he is. To rely upon, to place confidence in and who he is. The Hebrew word there for Lord is Elohim. This is the self-existent God. This is the God that has no beginning and no end. This is the God by whom everything and everyone has this being in existence. So we can rely upon this God according to who he is. Do you know that every sin problem is a theological problem? Every sin problem you have is because there's something about God you do not trust. Notice I didn't say you didn't believe it and understand it. You don't trust it. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith it's impossible to please God, for he who comes to him must believe that he is. Now, I'm about to set you up to show you what I mean that every sin problem is a theological problem. So what am I about to do right now? I'm about to what? I'm setting you up. All right, let me show you. How many of you believe that God is sovereign? Raise your hand. How many of you believe that God is sufficient? Raise your hand. How many of you believe that God is supreme? Raise your hand. How many of you believe that he has your best interest at heart? He always loves you. So I'm a little confused. That fight you had before you came in this morning. You know that one where you get that fighting in the car with your husband and you get, hey, how y'all doing? You, that, that one you had? I'm sorry. The, the, the thing that you're mad about right now, the, the grudges you're holding, the things you're worried about. See, 
intellectually you believe what I just said, but practically you're not trusting what I said because if you believed that God was in control, would you be mad about anything right now? You follow what I'm saying? If, if you believe that he had your best interest at heart, would you be mad when other folk don't think about you the way you think they should be thinking about you? See, the reality is not our intellectual understanding. The Bible is telling us not just intellectually know these things about God, but the context here says, trust. I need you to rest. I need you to rely upon the reality of who this God is. See, it's not just a mental ascent that you understand. It's, it's the act of your mind. It's the act of your will. It's the act of your emotions resting on this reality. It is you submitting to the reality of God. Let me, let me tell you what it, what it really looks like. How many of you feel like sometimes brushing your teeth? I'm going to just use that as an example. <laughs> Can we be real for a moment? How many of you sometimes feel like going to work? But isn't it interesting you're addicted to things called food and paying bills and whether you feel it or not, you know you must. And so you act on something beyond what you feel in the moment. And you find that amazing how people do that? Trusting God is saying the same thing. What I feel in the moment cannot override the reality of who God is in the moment. And so I'm going to act on what I know, not what I feel. It is a resting on the reality, not allowing your emotions to corrupt the moment. Trusting in the Lord, it, it means this. Now watch this, notice the passage. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trusting in the Lord starts from the inside out. It starts with taking every thought captive to his word. I know what you see, but you gotta trust what God says beyond what you see. Now, we're not talking about some magical, mystical trick. We're talking about, yeah, people can be nasty, but what they mean for evil, God means for good. Yeah, things are not going the way you want, but they're going exactly as God wants because he's working out something greater that you don't understand in the moment. It's not ignoring reality. It's interpreting reality through the God of reality who's controlling your life. Taking every thought captive, it moves to setting your affections on his will, on his way on his promises. It ends with a sense of what we call well-being, knowing that God has everything under control. Now, here's what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying that when you trust the Lord, your wife is going to finally recognize that you are the head of the house. I'm not saying when you trust the Lord, he's finally going to see that you're not trying to hurt him, that you're trying to help him, and that you are very wise. I'm not saying that when you trust the Lord, your children are finally going to do exactly what you thought. Because, see, that's a sugar daddy mentality. How many of y'all know what a sugar daddy is? And if you do know, don't raise your hand. Shame on you. (laughs) I'm going to leave that alone for another time. But anyway, for those who may not understand, the sugar daddy provides certain resources as you do certain things. And we'll just leave it at that. God is not your sugar daddy. God is your king. God is your father. God has an agenda, and he wants us to adjust our lives to that agenda. So the moment we believe that because we do what he says, he'll do what we want, we are misunderstanding the reality. Well, what about that passage, Pastor, that says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Did you read the first part of that? Delight yourself in who? And he'll give you what? So if you're delighting in him, what is he going to give you? Which is more of him. 
And the Bible says, in thy presence is fullness of joy, and thy right hand are pleasures forever. The Bible says, if you obey, I will make myself known. The most exciting thing about our existence has to be his presence, and we're not there yet. We still want from him more than we want him, and God is working on us to lead us to want him more than we want from him. Are y'all tracking with me? This trusting in the Lord from the inside out. It's understanding three simple realities. And if you can walk with me, I want you to think about this. Because everything that we say and do, it boils down to every situation. Can we trust these three things about God? Number one, can we trust that he's sovereign? And what do I mean by sovereign? He controls everything that happens at every given time. Whatever he allows or ordains in your life, he is in charge. And know that even when it's bad, it's going to be good. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's not a second, a minute, a moment. There's not even the hair on your head or not on your head. Even the ones that could be on your head. God is in control of all of that. That's the one thing we have to trust. But secondly, we have to trust this. And this is more difficult than the first, that we serve a wise God. He knows exactly what he is doing. Now, you say, now, wait a minute. But he could have, he, he could have, but he should know. No, no, no. Watch it. Watch it. He's doing exactly what needs to be done to bring about what he wants to see, not what you want to see. Can we trust that in his infinite wisdom, it's always to bring about his greatest glory and your ultimate good? Can we begin to accept that he's in charge? He knows exactly what he is doing. But thirdly, this, that he loves us and has our best interests at heart. My brothers and sisters, when we're talking about the practicality of this passage, trust in the Lord with all your heart. From the inside out, embrace the reality that he is in control. Embrace the reality that he is a wise God and he's working out his course. He's working out the agenda and his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So therefore, even if he articulated it to us, we wouldn't understand what was going on. But here's what we rest on. He's got me. He's got my best interest at heart. This passage says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. But then it takes a turn. And this is where we get to the pitfall of trusting God. The verse says, and do not what? Oh, my goodness. How many of y'all know some strong and wrong people? You know who I'm talking about? They know everything. They never wrong. They always write about any and everything. You can't tell them nothing. They know everything. That's what we say in Texas. Not everything, everything. And I've learned over the years, let them be strong and wrong. Because you can't tell them till they're broken and then we can have a real conversation. So y'all know who I'm talking about. You know I'm talking about you, right? Because see, you thought it was the other person strong and wrong. What point am I making? When you lean on your own understanding, that is what we call a human observation without a biblical interpretation. That's when you look at everything around you, you look at the people around you, you look at your circumstances, and you come to your own conclusions instead of coming to God's conclusions. And do not lean, it says, on your own understanding. Let me give an example of what it means to lean on your own understanding. See, you ask questions like this, Lord, why? Did you let that happen to me? Instead of asking, Lord, how are you using what happened to me for your glory and my good? You see the difference? 
See, when, when you lean on your own understanding, everything is always about why it's not happening for you or why it's happening against you. You look at every person and situation either as a help or a hindrance to your agenda, not as an opportunity to promote God's agenda. See, when you're leaning on your own understanding, life is all about what you feel. You know, I, I call it you tuned in to WIIFM. Y'all ever heard of WIIFM? Oh, it's out here in California like it is in Texas. You've never heard of WIIFM? What's in it for me? <laughs> See, everybody gets tuned into WIIFM when they're not tuned into JESUS. And the danger is that your own understanding will lead you down a path of destruction because you see things as you want to see them. One of the things I tell people when they talk to me about this and they'll say, Pastor, I just can't get over the past. I said, no, the past is not the problem. It's your present attitude towards the past. The past is gone. You were bitter then, you're bitter now. You were worrying then, you're worrying now. You wanted something then, you want something now. See, the problem is not your past. There's something that you want that you're not getting. There's something you're getting you don't want, and that is holding you hostage in the present. Why? Because you have a human observation without a biblical interpretation. You're not seeing life through the grid of God. You're seeing life through the passions of your soul that don't line up with God. And the moment you are recognizing that life is bigger than you, then we can move beyond that. But until then, this leaning on your own understanding keeps you consumed with you. You say, no, that's not me, Pastor. That, that's not me. Well, okay, let me ask you something. What's the first thing you thought about this morning when you got up this morning? You. When life is not going the way you think it ought to go, who are you thinking about most of the time? You. When your emotions are arising, what are you thinking about calming your emotions versus how can God be glorified through your life? See, God is trying to disrupt us on earth to give us a desire for glory. God is trying to devastate us in this side so we recognize that life is bigger than us. And when life becomes bigger than us, we have a life better for us because we're no longer living for us. Let, let me ask you a dumb question. When, when, when Jesus died for our sins, that there's a letter in the word sin. It's that middle letter. What is that middle letter? Is that not who he died for to save you from yourself? I didn't say yourself, yourself. You tracking with me? See, Christ died to save us from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and soon the presence of sin. But that's all about delivering you from you and reconciling you into a right relationship and right standing with him. For what purpose? That you may know him, that you may become like him, that you may be useful to him. Not that life still revolves around you. When there's a lack of understanding of the reality of this God who's in control, you're still at the center. Christ died to move you from the center so that he can be the center so that you understand one simple reality. I'm going through, but I need to learn to grow through. And when I start growing through, I'll stop going through the way I have been going through and start to experience the peace that transcends all understanding. What point am I making to you? When you lean on your own understanding, my brothers and sisters, you will find yourself walking in self-deception. You find yourself walking in self-protection. You find yourself walking in self-centeredness. You find yourself walking in self-promotion. You say, well, what does that look like? I am so glad you ask. Inflexible. You know anybody's inflexible? Always has to be that way at every single time, in every situation. Tell me, how is that about God? 
Stubborn. Can't be moved. I, here's what I tell stubborn people and worried people. You know what I know about you that's a good thing? I know you can meditate because it takes a lot of meditation to worry. So I know you can meditate. You know what I tell stubborn people? Boy, you got to be disciplined because to be that stubborn, you got to be firm in your resolve. Imagine what would happen if you transferred that for good instead of evil. Instead of worrying about things you can't control, you would focus on the one who's in control. Instead of being so resistant because it's not what you want, you would be persistent in that which God wants. Your life will be different. But when you lean on your own understanding, all of that is flipped back to you. Story is told about this particular man who was on this trapeze and he was just kind of walking on it and he was doing his thing and everybody was walking and watching him walk on the trapeze. And you know, some of us, we kind of watch it because we hope somebody's going to fall. Now, I'm not going to say who you are, but some of y'all watch it because you, you're like, wow, is he going to fall this time? But some of y'all get excited. Now, I ain't going to say who you are. You know who you are. Shame on you, whoever that is. And so he's walking and he's doing all these wonderful things and so he says to the crowd, how many of you believe that I could put this chair on a back, on my back, and I can walk the trapeze with the chair on my back. And they said, yeah, we believe that you can do it. So he put the chair on his back and he starts walking with the chair and everybody cheers, they get all excited. He said, now I got another question. Who believes that I can put a person in the chair on my back and go across this trapeze? They said, we believe it. He says, do I have my first volunteer? <laughs> now, why am I saying that to you? God is asking, do you really believe me? I know what you say. And, and by the way, it's Sunday. So on Sunday, the answer is always what? Jesus. I could ask you who won the Super Bowl. You would tell me who? Jesus. But what I'm asking is on Monday through Saturday. True story. My, my daughter was taking my oldest daughter. She was at the Bible college where I have the privilege of teaching. And she was taking some theology classes. So she rode with me because she was living with us and she rode with me to work that day. So I was in a class, she was in a class. And so when the class was over, we got in the car, we we're headed home. She says, Daddy, I learned a new term today. I said, what'd you learn, baby? She said, I learned about atheist. I said, really tell me about an atheist. She said, well, an atheist is somebody who does not believe that God exists. I said, okay. I said, got a new term for you. She said, what's that? I said, a practical atheist. She said, what's that, Daddy? I said, Christians, Monday through Saturday. She said, explain. I said, Christians believe that God exists, but sometimes Monday through Saturday, we act as if he does not. Kind of like what I saw you doing this last week that I want to talk to you about. You see how I slid that in there? <laughs> Leaning not on your own understanding. Human observation without a biblical interpretation. God says, I need you to rest on the reality of who I am with all of your mind, with all of your will, with all of your emotions, and stop looking at life according to what you think, what you feel in the moment, and start looking at life according to what I think and what I say in the moment. The more you do that, I'm not saying that it won't be more difficult. I'm not saying that trials won't stop coming, but there'll be a peace for you because when the trials come, you'll say, you know what? God is up to something good right now. And you will say like the old saints, I will trust in the Lord until I die. You remember that? 
And they would say, I'm going to stand or they would say, I'm going to uh, get on my bending knees till I die. I'm going to treat everybody right. You remember that song? There's some truth to that. But why could they do that? Not because they were trying to get something from God, but because they already had something from God and they were resting on the reality of what they had and who they were. And that gave them the power to stand firm in the midst of trials and travesties and difficulties and devastations and delays and and disappointments in life. Why? Because they recognized that their life was bigger than the moment to trust in the Lord is to recognize that he hasn't left you. He's just working an agenda bigger than you in the moment and that his sovereignty and that his wisdom and his love is in action. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Verse number six gives us what we call the process as well as the promise of trusting God. Walk with me in verse six. It says, in all your ways. Acknowledge him. There's the Hebrew word there for acknowledge. It, it has this idea of a circumspect evaluation. So when people see the word acknowledge that they think it's a shout out to God. We're not talking about a shout out to God. Hey God, what's up? Just want to know I'm here. No, 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 no. Acknowledging says I'm going to look at every area of my life. I'm going to do an evaluation, a circumspect, and as I look at every area, I'm going to ask the wisdom of God in those areas. Lord, what would you have me do in this moment? In all your ways, Lord, what do you want me to think? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to manage my money? How do you want me to manage my ministry? How do you want me to manage my marriage? How do you want me to handle my children? Lord, I'm looking at every area of my life because I trust you. Now I want to understand what you want me to do in line with the fact that I trust you. Acknowledge, to look at, watch this, we look at and examine the scripture not just for a devotional, but for development. See, I don't get excited when people tell me how many times they've gone through the Bible. I get excited when they tell me how many times the Bible has gone through them. I'm not excited that you read the Bible 52 times this year. What I want to know is in those 52 times, what did you come to know about him in reality? What did you become like him in reality? And how have you been useful to him as a result of the reading of the word of God? God didn't just give us the word to read. It was so that we can connect. Obedience is the means to knowing him, becoming like him and being useful to him. Reading the word of God is the avenue to get to the obedience, to get to the end, which is a connection with God. And you and I, in all our ways of acknowledging God, the reality of our trust moves beyond an intellectual understanding to a practical walking that says, I may not understand everything of what this is going to be about, but if God said I needed to do this, then by faith, because he is greater, by faith, because he is sovereign, by faith, because he is wise, by faith, because I love him, I'm going to do what he said and see what he's going to do. Many of you right now, the struggle you think is bigger than your God, but your God is bigger than your struggle because God is not interested in fixing your marriage. He's interested in transforming you through the marriage. He's not interested in changing the problem around you. He's interested in changing you through the problem. I tell people all the time, you don't have a marriage problem. You just have character deficiencies that showed up in the marriage. Marriage is fine. 
He's using this as an opportunity to expose you. I tell single people, it's not that you keep going out with the wrong people. You got the wrong agenda with all these right people. And if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. Relationships were meant to be bigger than hooking up and hanging out. They were meant to be bigger than your personal happiness. They were about God's holiness. And the moment you see relationships the way God sees them, you are handling them the way God wants you to handle them. And guess what? You get more than you thought you could ever receive. Problem is never the relationship itself is what God wants you to see about you through the relationships. The problems around you are an opportunity to expose you. I tell people this. How many tea drinkers? Any tea drinkers in the room? Now, when you put that tea bag in the water, something happens, right? Doesn't matter what flavor that tea bag is. When you put it in the water, something happens. And whatever is in that tea bag, the water always brings out what's in that tea bag, right? So whatever flavor is in the tea bag, the water just what? Brings it out. Here's a spoiler alert. People and circumstances are the water and you are the tea bag. They're not making you who you are. They're bringing out who you are. They're exposing who you are, and it gives you an opportunity in that moment to decide, will I see what God wants me to see and surrender, or will I keep blaming the people, the past, the parents? Because let me write this down. There are six things that I hear all the time in counseling. There are six things that I hear that are never the reason for anybody's problems. Are you ready for these six things? All right, God bless you. We'll see y'all later. (laughs) Oh, y'all want those six things? Are y'all ready for them? Number one, people people. Number two, past. Number three, parents. Number four, pressures. Number five, pain. Number six, problems. Now, can you tell me those six things again? What's the first one? What's the second one? What's the third one? What's the fourth one? What's the fifth one? What's the sixth one? Now, you fill in the blanks, starting from the beginning. You don't understand all of the that I have to deal with. And I'm so sick of having to handle because I just can't seem to get past it. And you don't understand how my treated me when I was young. And I got to deal with all of these. And you don't understand the because of all of the How many times have you heard that in a conversation? None of those things are the problem. That's the water, and you're the tea bag. The people, the past, the pain, all that, that's the water. That is the context by which God is allowing you to begin to see some reality of, will you trust me? Will you acknowledge me in all your ways? I understand the people, the past, the parents, the pain, the problems, and the pressures of life. Guess what? I'm sovereign. I am controlling that in your life. Because see, if I wanted to, I could change it. But I'm not interested in changing that. Guess what I'm interested in changing? You. And when you start to grow through instead of just go through, watch this. Many things you will find either will disappear and not be as magnified as you made them. That is the principle of acknowledging him in all your ways. God is asking for you to recognize that if you are going to know him, 
become like him, be useful to him. If you are going to have a true life of a Christian life that involves this kind of relationship that you've been longing for, it means that God is not going to be the sugar daddy to take away things. He is going to be the God who transforms you through things. He's going to be the God that gives you the peace in things. He's going to be the God that helps you to understand your sense of well-being cannot be tied to the people, the past, the parents, the pain, and all those things that you want to go away. Your sense of well-being has to be tied to the one that you say you trust. And it will take him a lifetime in your life to get you there. Paul says, I have learned to be content. That wasn't a Bible study. That wasn't a devotional. That was a lifetime of learning how to enjoy the good, endure the bad, and be faithful to the one that he belongs to. Did you hear what I said? He had to learn to adjust his desires to fit the situation. What do you mean? He says, boy, I know how to live with a lot. I know how to live with a little. You know what that means? I have to adjust my attitude and my desires to the moment. When we got it, we enjoy it, but we share it. When we broke, we praise God where we are. But if I can't enjoy the presence of God in any and every circumstance, I will never be content even when I think I got what I want. Why? Because your life doesn't consist in the abundance of things. You have been delivered to know him, to become like him, to be useful to him. And trusting him means, you know what? I don't understand, but you're sovereign. I don't understand, but you're all wise. I don't understand, but you have my best interests at heart. What would you have me do in this moment? In all thy ways, acknowledge him. In that passage, he says in verse 6, and he will make your path straight. I want to talk about the promise that God gives us. That's a powerful promise for you and I to make our path straight. And I find this so exciting when I think about it from this standpoint. When we do what God says, he'll make us morally upright. That's what it means to make straight. He'll make us productive and he'll make us satisfied. Now, let that sink in for a moment. The moment my life is no longer about what happens to me, for me, and looking at you as either for me or against me, the moment I start to adjust my desires to fit the situation, the moment I start living out what you tell me, you will make me productive. You will make me satisfied. You will make me morally upright. And guess what? The satisfaction I've been longing for, I finally have, but it'll come from a place I'd never, ever thought from the streams of living water. I keep trying to pursue and the culture would only can be gained through a relationship with God. And the more I live out what he wants, he will soothe my soul in ways I can't understand right now. And the more I do what he says, he will do what he said. There's nothing like a stable life. I don't know about you, but I love it when everybody else is foolish and I can be still. You know what I'm talking about? Where there's just chaos around you, but you, you calm in your soul. Because everybody else don't have to be all right for you to be all right. You know what I'm talking about. You go to some of those um, family gatherings. Everybody got a Pookie and Ray Ray. Everybody know who I'm talking about. And no matter how much you preach to Pookie and Ray Ray, they're going to still do what Pookie and Ray Ray going to do, right? So you don't stop preaching to them and give them the gospel. Now you just say, no, Pookie, I don't want that beer, man. I appreciate it. No, man, put the weed back. I'm not doing that. It's good to see you, though, brother. I'm glad, glad you're here. 
And we all know that time is around 8, 30, 9 o'clock. We start saying, okay, we know stuff about to get set off. So God bless y'all. We love you. We headed on back to our house, grabbing my children, my wife. Let's go. But it was good to come by. Yeah, yeah, come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But what's the reality? They don't have to be all right for me to be all right. My sense of well-being is no longer tied to the change of people and attitudes and circumstances. Because the God I serve is making me morally upright, making me productive, making me satisfied. That means I can love you. Watch this. I can lower my expectations of you and raise my love for you. See, the problem for many of you, you stay mad all the time because you want the same thing from the folk who ain't going to do nothing different. And you keep praying, Lord, just change it, Lord. I'm so tired. And it's like God said, no, I'm trying to change you because I'm tired of you complaining about that which ain't yours. I need you to love them. Stop trying to use them. They're not here for you. They're here for my glory, not yours. And the moment you lower your expectations and raise your love for them, you can be around them. They can be as crazy as they want to be, and you just be just fine. I believe that great theologian Mary J. Blige said it well. I'm doing just fine, better than okay. Anyway, I digress. But you, 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 you see where I'm coming from, right? What point am I making? Promises from God will be kept. And this is a promise that if you just put your faith in the reality of who he is, if you will adjust your life to what he says, you will be productive, satisfied, peace in your soul. Now, let me tell you what he didn't promise. He didn't say that you would have everything in life that you want. See, now that, that's a misnomer. I, I, I have to help some of my brothers and sisters who keep trying to name it and claim it and grab it and bag it and call it and haul it. And, you know, I have to say, listen, listen, God don't work like that. If he did, you'd be gone a long time ago. See, y'all, some of y'all caught that. But anyway, what point am I making? That's not what God is promising. God never promised that if you do everything he says, you'll never fail, you'll never fall, you'll never suffer. Because the Bible tells us you shall have tribulations. Be, be a good cheer, I've overcome the world. So when you look at the promise from God, the promise is you will be productive, you'll be morally upright, you'll be satisfied. Not that you won't have problems and pain and won't have to deal with those six Ps that I keep talking about. They will never leave you. You're going to always have to deal with people. Your past will always be there. Your parents, whatever good or bad they did, they did the best they could with what they had. That's a reality. Let it go. The pressures and problems and pain, they are going to be there. But guess what? You can be different. And the moment you're different, you see that they're different. Now, I would do this, but I'm not going to trick you. But this is, I'm tricking my church next week. We're going through a series on a theology of relationships. I'm going to trick them next week. But here's what I'm going to tell you as I trick them. Think about this. I'm going to have them to take a few moments and write down everything that gripes them about somebody else. I said, I want you to take about three minutes. Everything that gripes you about somebody else, don't show anybody. So if it's your wife or your husband or your children, they don't see it. But just write it down and get as deep as you want to get. And watch them go, oh, yeah, this, this, I like pastor this week. This is a good assignment. Yeah. And when they finish, I'm going to say, it takes one to know one. 
Whatever you think is irritating you about somebody else is God's avenue to expose you to character development that needs to happen in your life. It was never about changing people. It's always about your transformation. And the moment you rest in this sovereign God and surrender to this sovereign God, watch him work. Now you got one question today to answer. Will I trust him? Or will I keep doing what I've been doing in many areas of my life? Now, we can give the Jesus answer because it's Sunday. But Monday's coming. And those same people, the same past, the same parents, same problems, same pressure, same pains are going to be right there. You can always do what you've always done. Or you can invest in the one who's invested in you and begin to adjust your life to the reality that God is up to something good and the goal was never to fix them. It was to transform you. So that whether those things are well or not, you are morally upright, you're productive, you're satisfied to the glory of God. And all of God's children said, Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. Lord, we recognize that in some areas of our lives, we've said we trust you because it's the right thing to say. But Lord, when you see how we have reacted, you know and we know that we've not trusted you. And Lord, we thank you there are areas now in our lives that we have really started to rely upon who you are and rest in that. And we've seen the fruit of that reality of trusting you. So, Lord, as I pray for many people here who are struggling with many situations, with family, to husband, wife, to children, to uh, you name it, people and circumstances, whatever the situation, Lord, I ask that they would have a biblical understanding and no longer look at the situation from their own perspective. And, Lord, I pray now that they would seek you out, seek out your wisdom, your ways of what you would have them to do. And to rest in no matter what's going on, that you're sovereign, you're in control of it. You, you have your wisdom working it through and you have their best interest at heart. May they surrender to that reality so they can experience you, Lord God. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you the glory. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being delivered from our sins by you. Thank you, Lord, that we have a new position in you, a new condition in you. And thank you, Lord God, that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Now, may we experience that more in real time and not just in our intellectual understanding. As many talk about your grace, Lord, we want to experience your grace. Many people can quote the 23rd Psalm, but some people have learned and experienced the shepherd of the 23rd Psalm. May we be in the latter, that our lives will be productive, satisfied, morally upright to your glory. And all of God's children said, amen. God bless you.